at One Day University. We feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. Great to be with you today. Um, this is a pre-recorded show today. I'm going to be out for a little bit, um, so I'm planning on pre-recording some shows for you guys, um, and then we will resume our live schedule. So today's topic, I'd like to speak about Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, also known as SARS. Um, why am I speaking about this now? SARS is actually related to COVID-19 and I thought it would be interesting for us to look at um, the, the SARS epidemic of 2003 and what we what we learned about um, how we dealt with SARS and is it helping us with COVID-19. So what did we learn from the SARS epidemic that is now helping us with COVID-19? Um, I'm going to go ahead and do a little breakdown of SARS versus COVID, but um, let me get you some facts first. So again, um, there was a SARS epidemic in 2003. This was the first time uh, that um, we found SARS, basically that SARS manifested. Um, in 2003, it started in Asia, and it spread to countries in North America, South America, and Europe um, before this, the outbreak was finally stopped, um, and that was late 2003, um, where we were able to get a, a control of SARS. Um, all, according to the CDC, there have not been any global cases of SARS reported since 2004. So that's an interesting fact, um, which we might want to put a pin in um, as we talk about this and we get to, you know, how it relates, hopefully, to COVID-19. Um, <clears throat> so the SARS virus of 2003 is in the same family of viruses as COVID-19. Um, in fact, the official name for COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2. Um, the original SARS-2 
2003 virus is actually SARS-CoV-1. So the official name for COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2. So I'm going to start talking about COVID-19 versus SARS-CoV-1 or the 2003 SARS that I'm talking about here. Um, Although SARS and COVID-19 may be related, they are not the same virus. It's important to note they are not the same virus. Um, Both are, however, a part of the same virus group, which are called coronaviruses, which is where you hear the term coronavirus um, nowadays. Um, Although COVID-19 is called the coronavirus as a shorthand uh, by media and just in casual conversation, um, there are actually many coronaviruses out there, um, one of which is the common cold. So congratulations. If you've had the cold, you've had a coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> there are four types of coronaviruses, uh, of coronaviruses are known to cause roughly 10 to 30% um, of upper respiratory tract infections in adults, in adult humans. Um, so now what are the similarities between, and differences between SARS and COVID-19? Um, now I do want to mention, I'm going to throw a caveat out there. We are still in the early stages of researching COVID-19, believe it or not. This is still considered a new virus, um, for us. So, you know, information can change at a rapid pace. So with that said, um, <clears throat> information about COVID-19 changes really frequently. Um, this is just what we know now. So I'm going to take a quick break for the May NHEG announcements, and then I will be right back to discuss the similarities and differences between COVID-19 and SARS. Welcome and happy new month to you all. Here are your announcements for the month of May 2021. Happy birthday to the following people. Catherine Balowig, May 3rd. Dean Kim, May 11th. Peter Gordon, May 13th. Alina Sheikh, May 15th. Samrita Balakrishnan, May 18th. Anna Stephanie, May 24th. Joyti Dave, May 24th. Amsat Bolori, May 26th. Lakshmi Badmanaban, May 28th. Georgia Woodbine, May 30th. Happy anniversary to Alan Yu, May 1st. Leah Sedi, May 4th. Amsatu Bolori, May 5th. Alexandra Oliveira, May 13th. Julia Landy, May 14th. Sapna Shukla, May 16th. Alina Sheikh, May 20th. Meghna Kalapati, May 21st. Sarika Gaba, May 21st. Ron Ann Hong, May 25th. Anagas Ridaran, May 27th. Katie Butchop, May 28th. Charlotte Picardo, May 28th. Mitchell Alwyn, May 28th. Jane Wayne, May 29th. Congratulations to Pamela Clark and NHEG volunteers for the latest recognition from Governor Mike DeWine and Governor John Husted for our Savoy Nomination Award. 
Thank you to Fred Weiner for donating nine photographs on canvas to NHG Walls. Thank you for the continued sponsorship from Silicon Valley High School. Thank you to Start Imagining Birds for sponsoring our magazine. You can check out their products at www.startimaginingbirds.com slash products. Have a great month. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. Once again, I am your host, Erica Hansen. Today we're talking about Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS. Um, I am bringing this topic up especially because... Um, in relation to the SARS epidemic in 2003, which um, studying SARS in 2003 is actually providing us information of how to combat um, COVID-19. So I was going to go over the similarities and the differences between SARS and COVID-19. Um, some similarities. Now, both SARS and COVID-19 have all of these in common. They're respiratory viruses. They infect the respiratory tract. Um, they are believed to have been transmitted to humans via, via animals. This is most commonly through bats, um, but other animals certainly can transmit as well. Um, and they can all, both can also be contracted through surfaces. Um, for, for an instance of this, uh, think about the cruise ships that um, they ended up having a lot of COVID-infected people on board and they um, couldn't, couldn't pull into port for a very long time because people weren't letting the infected, you know, come in, come into ports. Um, it was found when they, when, you know, teams went through and sanitized the ships again, the cruise ships after everybody had debarked, that the COVID-19 virus actually could live for quite a few days um, on surfaces, which um, was actually, um, you know, it's, it's um, something to take note of. So... Um, always, you know, always be careful what you touch and when you touch it and, you know, make sure you wash your hands always. Um, both SARS and COVID-19 can lead to serious complications such as pneumonia. Again, another respiratory ailment um, that um, COVID, both COVID-19 or SARS can, can um, mutate or well, turn into um pneumonia is not fun um you know um, a lot of people especially older people need to be hospitalized if they catch pneumonia um both of these the symptoms can worsen later in the illness so it's an illness that gets progressively worse as it goes by and then you recover um, again, as I mentioned before, the elderly and those with underlying medical conditions are particularly vulnerable to both. Um, and of course, this has to do with the fact that both the elderly and those who are, um, you know, di diabetic, who already have somebody, uh, excuse me, something going on medically, um, sometimes their immune system is already compromised so that leaves an entryway for the viruses to come in um, 
Symptoms of the two illnesses are similar. Um, however, there are a few differences between SARS and COVID-19 that are worth noting. Um, and here we go into the differences between the two viruses. SARS is actually more severe than COVID-19, statistically speaking. I know that's hard to imagine considering all of the, you know, um, infection and death we hear about, unfortunately, due to COVID-19. But at the time of the 2003 outbreak, SARS was actually more deadly. Um, it is estimated that 20% to 30% of people with SARS were required to be on a ventilator. So think of all of the people you hear about needing to be on a ventilator from COVID-19 and, you know, it was much worse with SARS. Um, <clears throat> while roughly 20% of COVID-19 sufferers require hospitalization, only a small percentage of those actually who are hospitalized require ventilation. Um, also, the mortality rate, as I mentioned, of those with COVID-19 is much less than those with SARS. Um, COVID-19 deaths occur roughly three uh, in roughly 3% of the population, while the death rate with SARS, um, again, this is information from the 2003 epidemic, um, the death rate for SARS um, it is closer to 10%. So if you catch you know, SARS, you have a 10% chance of, you know, dying from it. So I'm going to take another quick break so we can hear from our sponsor, Silicon Valley High School. And when we come back, we're going to continue with differences between SARS and COVID-19. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School. The world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. So today we are talking about SARS and COVID-19. SARS is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, um, also known as SARS-CoV-1. COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2. Um, and we were discussing the similarities and now we're into the differences between those two viruses. Um, and I was mentioning that SARS statistically speaking, is more deadly than COVID-19. However, the flip side of this is COVID-19 is much more uh, transmissible than SARS. Um, it's believed that the highest amount of virus in an infected person, which is called the viral load, your high highest viral load when you're infected, um, this occurs right after symptoms begin. Um, this is in COVID-19. Whereas with SARS, an individual is most infectious later in the disease. Um, additionally, with regards to COVID-19, asymptomatic people, um, those who are actually infected with COVID-19 but are not displaying symptoms, um, 
are able to transmit the virus to others. Um, this was not the case with SARS. Um, so that's a note on that. Um, what makes COVID interesting in that you you can be infected like you know even before you I show symptoms and um, <clears throat> SARS usually shows symptoms and then you become transmissible transmissible um, and COVID-19 you are able to transmit it to another human being immediately um, when you become infected. So let me repeat that because that came out a little strange there. With SARS, um, you became infectious to other people, able to transmit the virus to other people around the time um, symptoms started. With COVID-19, you can be infected with COVID-19 and still transmit it to others even if your symptoms haven't started or you don't develop symptoms at all. That's one of the tricky things about COVID. Um, so additionally, with regards to COVID-19, oh, I told you this uh, asymptom about asymptomatic people. Um, also, there have been no cases of SARS diagnosed before the appearance of symptoms, like I said. Um, so it's not like COVID where you go in, you don't have any symptoms, but they still check you anyway. And you have the ability to be positive for COVID without symptoms. Um, <clears throat> um, which, again, that's um, the case. You can have COVID-19 and not show symptoms, excuse me. Additionally, um, several other differences have been noted in the molecular structure of both viruses. Um, I'm not going to go through those. <laughs> there are several papers out there on the exact molecular structure of both viruses and the chemistry involved in both. Um, I have linked to them in the show notes. So um, please check that out if you're into a more in-depth discussion of the chemistry of both viruses. Um, it is estimated that COVID-19 will be with us longer than SARS. Um, this is due to several factors, including um, COVID-19 is more transmissible, transmissible than SARS, as we were talking about. The SARS outbreak in 2003 occurred mainly in hospitals and other care, uh, healthcare facilities. While COVID-19 can spread rapidly through any community and there, and there has been an increase in global movement since the discovery of SARS. So we're just moving around the world as, as a race, as, as humanity. We're flying everywhere and at, that only has increased since 2003. Um, the more mobile you are, the greater chance you have of spreading um, a virus. So I'm going to take another quick break here um, just to hear from NHEG and then we will talk about 
what exactly have we learned from the SARS epidemic and what are we what have we learned that it can also be applied toward uh, treatment or prevention of COVID-19. I'll be back with you in just a moment. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store at new-heights-educational-group.myshopify.com. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on education. Once again, I am your host, Erica Hansen. We've been talking about SARS and COVID-19 and the relationship between them. Now we are going to turn to the SARS epidemic of 2013, uh, 2003, excuse me, uh, 2003, and what we have learned um, based on that epidemic and how we're applying it um, in the treatment and prevention um, of COVID-19. Um, so an article from the Institution of Institute of Medicine in 2004, this was again a year after the outbreak of SARS, um, focused on a workshop discussion regarding the results of the response to SARS. Um, at the time, public health policymakers advocated the following in the event another outbreak occurred. Um, and most of these I'm sure you'll be very, very familiar with because they are in place now. Um, they specified the importance of early detection of viruses and other pathogens. So again, more research, um, more developments, um, the more information we have on how many viruses or pathogens are out there, the better we are prepared to fight them. Um, so again, the CDC is, is just researching all the time, seeing what's out there that might cause a problem for us. Further recognition of zoonotic pathogens, um, that is viruses and other illnesses that are spread from animals to humans. Um, so again, looking more into the transmission of viruses um, and other things that are passed directly from animals to humans. Um, stockpiling broad spectrum antiviral drugs, which broad spectrum, spe broad spectrum means that these um, antivirals are able to treat a number of viruses, not just COVID-19, not just SARS. That's what they're looking for, a broad spectrum, so they can get that out to the public and not be so concerned that it only affects one virus. Um, so they also suggested, you know, having an emphasis on developing vaccines for possible future outbreaks or strains of the same virus. Um, when they talk about a strain, um, we're seeing this now with COVID-19. 
the various variants uh, popping up around the world, like the one in India, the one that happened earlier in the UK. Those are all variants. Um, viruses mutate and they mutate rapidly. And actually COVID-19 is pretty a rapid mutator for a virus. Um, so what this study is recommending that we um, emphasize um, creating vaccines and um, that can work also with future outbreaks or um, outbreaks of the same virus that have mutated. Establishing a rapid method of vaccine production. Um, I know one of the suggestions um, for that in this study was getting the private sector involved in um, manufacturing the vaccine, which, in, which actually has do, been done, um, <clears throat> which is why we're seeing the, up, the pickup in a vac vaccination and uh, vaccine supply. Um, that's because the private sector has now been brought in um, to help manufacture the vaccine, not create it, manufacture it, which means just manufacturing and distributing to the public. Um, developing an effective distribution method once the vaccine is produced. Again, um, this goes back to um, just halting the virus in its tracks. There are two things, you know, that really need to be done. Um, finding a vaccine as quickly as possible, safe vaccine as quickly as possible, excuse me, and finding a workable and quick um, distribution to, for, to get the vaccine to healthcare providers so they can deliver it to the public. Again, this has also been implemented. Um, I, I know that at times the National Guard has been, um, issue, has been sent out to help with the vaccine um, rollout. So again, it's about getting all of these moving parts working together in synchronicity so we can help, um, we can help each other get better. Um, quarantining infected individuals. Again, remember this is uh, what people learned from the SARS 2003 outbreak. This is when they learned that quarantining affected, infected individuals pretty quickly um, was really key. It was really key in um, calming down SARS, and it has been really key in um, slowing down COVID as well. Um, also, um, the policymakers suggested putting additional support, additional funds, additional um, equipment for healthcare infrastructures, um, such as hospitals, uh, so this so hospitals don't become overwhelmed. Whether this this has been hit or miss, um, I'm sure everybody knows who has listened to the news that um, especially at the worst point of the pandemic, um, several hospitals in several countries were overwhelmed and, um, and overrun by COVID patients. Um, 
it makes me interested to see what a um, report on COVID-19 when everything's said and done, what that will look like. Um, and also greater and more effective public health education. Um, that's been ongoing. Um, we always want better public health education, always. That hasn't changed. However, um, what the study found is that that needs to really be stepped up um, in order to prepare the public for the next um, pandemic or epidemic. So I thought, I like I said, I thought this study was very, very interesting. And in some ways, it was unfortunately predictive um, because definitely in 2003, they knew it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. And that is something that I have heard quite a bit um, that new new pathogens, new viruses are going like this, are going to start coming out and we're going to have to learn how to fight them. Um, there are various reasons for this. Again, I won't go into it here because this is a 30 minute show, but <clears throat> I've left some links in the show notes as I, as I mentioned. So if you're interested in digging into this further, um, I highly recommend you check those out, especially the um, Institute of Medicine reports that I just mentioned. It's really fascinating. So again, I will be out, but I will be pre-recording some episodes for you. So otherwise, I will see you when I come back. And the show is Thursdays at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, um, <clears throat> three, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you'd like to email me about a topic you'd love me, you'd like me to cover, I am Erica H. Erica E R I K A H as in Harry at newheightseducation.org. And I'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.